0: You are listening to the Innovators Behind Disruption, a podcast series brought to you by Evolve ETFs. The world is evolving. Your investments should too.
1: Hi, everyone, and thanks for joining us today. My name is Raj Lala. I'm the CEO of Evolve ETFs, also joined by Elliot Johnson, who's our CIO and COO at Evolve. And of course, the guest of honor is uh, Tyler Winkelboss. Uh, who I think many of you don't need much of an introduction to. But first of all, Tyler, thanks for joining us.
0: Yeah, no, thanks for having me.
1: Um, for those of you not too familiar with Tyler, he's, he's the co-founder of Gemini, which is a digital asset uh, exchange and custodian, uh, and also the subcustodian for our Bitcoin and our Ether ETFs. Tyler graduated uh, from Harvard with a degree in economics and then an MBA from Oxford. You represented the U.S. in the Beijing Olympics in 2008 and began investing in Bitcoin, I believe, in 2012. And then I think you launched Gemini in 2015. Definitely makes us feel like underachievers. Uh, But uh, congratulations on all your success and thanks for being here. Um, Just as a quick introduction to Evolve uh, for all of you. We are uh, one of the fastest growing ETF providers in Canada. We're managing right now about $1.8 billion. We've really emerged as leaders in disruptive technology or disruptive innovation. We've launched a lot of firsts in Canada, first cybersecurity ETF, first auto innovation ETF, first e-gaming, first cloud computing. One of the first Bitcoin ETFs, which is EBIT, and the first uh, Ether ETF, uh, which is ETHR or Ether so maybe we could kick things off tyler by uh you've obviously been dealing with us canadians for a few years now uh what are your general impressions of canadians as individuals and companies
0: yeah well no i'm a big fan of canadians i actually you guys happen to be good rowers so i rode with with or against many canadians either in the juniors at college the olympic level so um you guys are fun I'm, i'm fans but uh Big, uh, also a fan of the fact that the regulatory environment seems to be a bit more open to Bitcoin and E3 ETFs. In the US, we currently don't have um, any ETFs live. So I think we're we're about a year behind you, uh, believe it or not. So um, as a lover of crypto, as a lover of Bitcoin and Ether, it's fantastic to see the Canadian regulators get on board with these these products and and bringing the market obviously um, not only as a Bitcoin hodler um, or investor but also um, as a co-founder of Gemini, our custodian exchange, uh, we service your ETF and actually all of the other products that are regulated and trade on the Toronto Stock Exchange in Canada. So um, from the gem when I put my Gemini hat on, uh, I, I like it even more. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's actually a good point. I mean, you know, the uh, the news came out yesterday that the SEC is pushing any decision out to uh, to mid-June. Do you take that as a signal that they're getting closer or do you take that as a signal that we still have a ways to go? You mentioned a year, um, maybe longer. I don't know. Everyone seems to have a different opinion.
0: Yeah, I think that I think probably the most positive signal is is the changing of the, the chairperson so gensler who i've not met but i've i've done a little bit of research my understanding is that he's he's definitely a student of crypto is is a fan of the technology believes in it has has actually is even a professor of crypto because i think he's lectured yeah, at MIT. yeah. Um, and when i've read sort of like presentations he has a good grasp of the nuances it's not just like oh yeah i believe in bitcoin but really understands the different properties and, and merit of it. So I think that's really positive. Um, and so I've always thought in the US that a Bitcoin or Ether, Ether ETF was a when, not an if. But I did believe that that wasn't going to happen under Jay Clayton, the previous chairperson. And so I do believe that when will happen with Gensler. And I think that could be um, you mentioned that the, the timeline has been moved out to June, we we'll probably won't see something until like Q4 is the fast train. Um, yeah. But but I do think it's coming, and I don't think it's going to happen at the end of his four-year cycle if that's how long he decides to stay. Right. So that's
1: actually a good uh, point to, to dovetail. I mean, um, for for the many of the Canadians watching uh this interview you you may know that we actually filed for the first bitcoin etf back in 2017 and the regulators just weren't ready it was a very different time there wasn't much infrastructure around bitcoin there wasn't as much adoption that we've seen uh over the last few years maybe i'll flip it to you elliot um and then come back to tyler in a second but uh, you want to provide some commentary because you and i have been very Uh, Closely working with the regulators uh, to get the approval for one of the first Bitcoin ETFs. What, in your opinion,
2: got them there? Yeah, I think it's an underappreciated part of the story of the successful launch of uh, cryptocurrency ETFs in Canada. Just how relevant the infrastructure is that's been developed over the past four years since we first started talking to the regulators here about launching uh, a Bitcoin ETF. Uh, You know, our our ETFs, track the same price index used by the futures market which is really important because we now have a derivatives market as well as a cash market for um, both bitcoin and ether um, which is an important building block of the overall financial industry in terms of being able to um, have both markets operate in an orderly fashion that really helped with our conversation with the regulators to say you know what there's going to be liquidity here For the market makers of our etfs to be able to ensure that there's good price discovery for investors that investors when they buy the etf units through the day are going to get an accurate price based on the bitcoin that's held inside the fund for example but it also that piece doesn't operate by itself it allowed us then to also um, by partnering with gemini be able to demonstrate to the regulators that we can actually Meet counterparties that have been um, uh, KYC'd and 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 audited by Gemini, so we know that we're not facing any um, uh, entity that is is not a uh, an approved entity. And also, it allows us to meet those entities at Gemini when we're buying Bitcoin and deliver cash versus um, the, the Bitcoin itself. And that delivery versus payment mechanism that exists in um, you know the equity world and has been around for decades is only really possible when you have a world-class custodian who is able to put in place those things that allow financial products to be built on top. So this is a lot of technical plumbing that I know kind of bores some people, although I find it personally exciting. But it's the stuff that actually has brought us forward to the point where we can build reliable financial products on top of cryptocurrencies. And that, I think, is the most exciting thing happening right now because um, this is opening up participation in Bitcoin and Ether to a much wider range of investors who have been interested in them, haven't known how to use them, haven't known how to do it safely, and now have a lot of more solutions at their fingertips than they had before.
1: So, Tyler, uh, you know, you guys have been very instrumental into the overall improvement of the infrastructure around uh, Bitcoin through your custody business, for example. Can you talk a little bit maybe about the last few years in terms of the challenges that you've faced in
0: terms of building out Gemini? Sure. Um, so we got into Bitcoin in 2012 and bought a lot of Bitcoin actually on Mt. Gox, which famously imploded a few years later. Luckily we, 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 uh, didn't lose any big, we had moved our Bitcoin off, but that really informed us, um, back to Elliot's point of just how, like shaky and, and, and not enterprise grade the the infrastructure was, and we looked to invest in companies um, trying to fix that solution, but nobody really believed in people believed in a better product um, and more security, but they didn't really believe in regulation in licensing in um, sort of going through the front door of of, of the licensing compliance aspect. And so we couldn't really find a team to, to bet on. So we said, you know what, we're going to have to do it ourselves. So we picked up the phone with the New York uh, state regulator, the New York DFS. Said, how do we get licensed to do this? Um, and they said, well, you have to do what you want to do to, to service both retail customers and institutions, you're going to have to become a New York trust company. So we embarked on a year and a half uh, licensing process to become a New York trust company which culminated in us getting that license and then launching in in um, October of 2015. And it's pretty rare for, for a startup to launch, but with, with that you have a business continuity plan, you have internal controls and procedures. Um, we have a bank exam every year with five bank examiners who come to our office and make sure we're doing what we say we're gonna do with BSA AML audits um, and seven board members on the trust company. So it's very, very heavyweight. We also have to do yearly security penetration tests. And ultimately, we also have a SOC 1 type 2 and a SOC 2 type 2. The SOC 2 type 2 um, is around the the security and internal controls and procedures. The SOC uh, 1 type 2 is around um, financial reporting and things like that. But those are the highest level of sort of exams. And that, those were performed by Deloitte and they're longitudinal. And we refresh it every six months or a year to make sure we're actually following the things you know we say we're doing. So we've really worked very hard to build this constellation of trust in Gemini with outside parties, independent otters and whatnot to get um, folks like yourselves, but also uh, the regulators comfortable with Gemini being a custodian of a regulated fund that trades on on a stock exchange. So it's been a a really interesting long journey. I didn't think I was gonna be the CEO of a trust company necessarily, uh, um, but we really believe thoughtful regulation, when you get regulation right, um, it builds the most vibrant, healthy markets. I think you can look to Singapore was a fishing village not long ago, and uh, with thoughtful financial regulation, it's become a powerhouse, a hub in Asia. In fact, we are in flight in a process to a license with their regulator um, out there as well. So they're embracing crypto as well. So we, you can look to the economies that you respect the most um, and and they, they have thoughtful regulation, right? Too much stamps out innovation, but too little, you find yourself in the wild west. Mt. Gox days. And so we felt, um, I guess in a way, we started Gemini to solve our own problem. You know, we didn't wanna lose Bitcoin on an exchange, we wanted to trade it. And for this technology and movement to really take on, it needed better infrastructure and it needs more access points. So with our license, we could get a bank account so people could wire cash in. Um, with our license, we can help you and approval in Canada so someone could get exposure to Bitcoin through a security which a lot of people need that's the route they get into they can't hold bitcoin the asset or ether the asset on gemini so um you know it's it's great to to see the fruits of our labor paying off and realizing that vision of like yeah you can just open your brokerage account and buy eat it um or whatnot and get exposure to 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 crypto that's that's a huge In our opinion, that's a big game changer because a lot of the funds, pension funds, sovereign wealth, they have to hold a security. So, this is the only way they can get exposure to that asset class. Got it. Uh,
1: Let's shift gears and talk about adoption. Over the last year, we've seen hedge funds starting to use Bitcoin, we've seen institutions starting to invest in Bitcoin. Uh, We've seen companies like Tesla, of course, invest. I believe they just upped their investment to two and a half billion that just got disclosed maybe today. Uh, So we're seeing more and more use case uh, for Bitcoin, whether it be store value, whether it be cash alternative, gold alternative um, or just uh, an asset class in general, uh, the digital gold. You're probably having a lot of conversations with corporates, with institutions. What's first of all, what's resonating with them? in terms of adoption of Bitcoin and what are the concerns that they have or what's preventing them from actually adopting Bitcoin within their portfolios or their companies?
0: Yeah, it's a really interesting question. And we so I'd say that the concerns are are really melting away. Um, So I think the biggest driver to Bitcoin right now, the reason you're seeing Square put Bitcoin on its balance sheet, in Tesla put Bitcoin on balance sheet is because of the money printing that's going on in fiat currency regime. US dollar, euro, pound sterling, I imagine the dollar as well. Um, we weren't great, uh, we weren't very conservative and tight with our money policy for the last decade. And then all of a sudden COVID hit and so there's an economic shutdown. How do you uh, sail your, your way through that storm? you print more money. The problem is we've been printing money for the last decade before. So it's the the specter of inflation, the fear that inflation is coming, really uh, push people into, into Bitcoin, in my opinion. Um, we saw a lot of died in the wool Wall Streeters um, who who kind of got close in 2017, 2018, but just couldn't quite get into get off the diving board into the asset class. The same people, um, there was a crypto winner for a period. And then when COVID hit, the markets melted down and then they started rebounding. As soon as people could take their head up for air, they came running back to Gemini and said, how do we get Bitcoin? It wasn't like, tell me about Bitcoin, prove it to me. They totally got the, the gold 2.0 thesis—the uh, same rationale that Paul Tudor Jones—he calls it the great monetary inflation. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to look at the Fed balance sheet and assess how it's ballooned. Uh, the level of debt, the stimulus spending—it's simple arithmetic that um, you know, um a kid in elementary school can can understand the supply and demand. And so even these, you know, Wall Street—the biggest skeptics, biggest cynics. Uh, became completely stupid with with what's happening with the Fed, the treasury, and basically the US dollar and its long-term viability. And if it was the 1970s, they'd be buying gold, Uh, but we have Bitcoin. So they started buying Bitcoin. So I believe um, ultimately it's two things. People believe that uh, Bitcoin is gold 2.0. When you look at the characteristics that make gold valuable, that we all agree make gold valuable for the last thousands of years, Diversity, durability, portability. There's about nine money characteristics. Bitcoin matches or defeats gold or does better across the board. It's actually a fixed supply. Um, It's portable as an email. It's uh, fungible. You can divide a Bitcoin into hundred million pieces. And so it's ultimately gold 2.0. The market capital around gold is 10 trillion. Gold is 1 trillion. So there's a 10x from here if it disrupts gold, uh, that would put a Bitcoin price conservatively at $500,000 a Bitcoin. And if that's the case, you also have the money printing happening. And so um, Bitcoin is actually the world's hardest money, soundest money, and greatest hedge to the oncoming inflation. Um, and that, that is the biggest story for Bitcoin. That's why it's been such a strong winner this year and ultimately I think will be not just the best performing asset of last decade, but also this decade because the money printing its just not going to stop. I wouldn't hold my breath on that. Yeah, I would
1: agree with that. What, From a risk perspective, I mean, when we're talking to investors about Bitcoin, one of the concerns that comes up
0: sometimes
1: is government Um How concerned are you about that?
0: Uh, Not at all, actually. So I feel like if we went back in time to 2013, there was hearings on Capitol Hill. um, You know, Silk Road was out there. There was a lot of um, incorrect narratives. And I would say it was maybe slightly an open question. But it was still a tough question because you have to basically shut down the Internet to stop it which means you shut down the FANG companies, the biggest drivers of the US economy. Ultimately, fast forward to 2015, we're given a New York trust company license, which is an endorsement from New York state. We now employ 400 people. So you'd have to like kill our business to, you know, roll back. Um, there, there was a CFTC enforcement action called the coin flip action and or order in 2015, which called Bitcoin a commodity like gold. It was upheld in federal court systems multiple times in the u.s um i, I think the cat or that you know that the, the tube space is out of the tube it is never coming back in the u.s i think the same is the case in the uk i think in canada i think in singapore um in many other jurisdictions um oh in europe as well um so we just to give you a sense of our licensing we're in flight in, in singapore we have a license in the uk we're in flight in ireland for all of the european area um, obviously the us um in canada so so uh all of those jurisdictions have embraced this technology i think the idea of waking up and and having any one of those jurisdictions say bitcoin is somehow outlawed like i i mean it's never zero percent, but it's close enough to zero where I I I feel like I I sleep very well. I do not wake up worrying about the legality of of Bitcoin or crypto and and the longevity of my business. I think all of those questions are asked and answered. Now you have people from um, the crypto industry who are also now in government, like. People just use this and they believe in it. And that's becoming like everyone. It's not just like the crypto niche community and then the lawmakers and whatever it's, everybody's into this now.
1: Yeah. Um, Let's talk about use case because, uh, and you know, I've mentioned Tesla already, but Tesla was one of the organizations that recently announced that you could buy Tesla's with Bitcoin. Yeah. Where do you see this going? Do you, do you see um, more companies Adopting the use of Bitcoin to transact product or purchase products. And what do you think is is the missing if there is any uh, Missing infrastructure in order for organizations to actually truly start using it
0: so I think that um, The play for companies like Square and Tesla is really against inflation. You've got this cash happening you know, you're hemorrhaging value like we know what happens if you put cash your mattress, under your mattress. You're just you're losing money overall. It's a bad place to store your life force, and you need to look at how you measure inflation. I don't measure it by CPI. I look at asset prices. I look at the fact that real estate price records are being broken every other you know week or day or month. Um, I look at the fact that the, the stock market is absolutely ripping. When the world is Main Street is shut down and and, and you know not doing well is very delighted. So I think inflation's a lot higher than you hear on the you know you hear maybe like in in the news. Um, I don't think it's the CPI measure. So if it's 10% or 15%, you're losing that a year by sitting on the cash. So it's really like these companies trying to put their cash to work in a way where they don't completely hemorrhage and lose value. And it could be gold, Um, but for the reason I mentioned before, I think a lot of people are looking at at Bitcoin as that sort of um, hedge. There's something like uh, 40,000 publicly traded companies globally across the world in different exchanges. That number could be a little bit higher, a little bit less, but call it like around 40,000, right? There's only thirty-two. Uh, of those companies that have Bitcoin on its balance sheet, and so do we think that 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 number is shrinking or only growing? And I think it's growing. I think you're going to see Fortune, you know, 500, 1,000. I think every company is going to have Bitcoin um, as a treasury play in their asset. And ultimately, like I don't think Bitcoin needs to be so, used as a currency for it to have value. Just like gold is not used to buy a cup of coffee if it's for a pure value you want to hodl you want to hang on to that i think accepting bitcoins really smart because if someone's foolish enough to spend when they give it to you then they're overpaying for you know your tesla or whatever we've all like made that mistake early on buying something with bitcoin and then you see the price go up and you're like oh i paid 20 times more for that than i needed to I is don't that,
1: think is that is that guy that bought the pizza, um, what was it, 2011 12, that's now worth 500. He used 10,000 Bitcoin. Is that actually
0: Is that an urban myth or is that a true story? So that, that's, I mean, that's true in as much as it's, it's on message boards. I think, yeah. um, the guy, I forget the guy's name, but uh, he's an engineer. I think he's even said, uh, you know, uh, confirmed it, but that's totally true. Um, and at the time, yeah, he spent like ten or ten thousand or twenty thousand 10,000 Ten thousand pizza, and so you don't want to be the Bitcoin Pizza guy. Um, <laughs> I, think of, I think of Bitcoin as you know in your gold category. Um, Ether is different. It's it's a um, it's it's the digital oil of the world's global decentralized cloud computer. So if you think of Amazon Web Services as centralized cloud computing amazon s3 buckets as centralized storage um crypto networks are trying to decentralize all these centralized uh, internet companies and ethereum being your decentralized uh cloud computer and ether instead of your credit card using your credit card to pay amazon um for its compute service on your application you run your application or your smart contract it's called smart contract on Ethereum, and you pay people pay for the computing uh, in in Ether, and so that's why we kind of call it a digital oil. But Ethereum is really exciting because so many applications can happen on it. So there's this whole movement called decentralized finance, where all these financial applications are being built on top of Ethereum. Um, even the NFT movement of digital collectibles, a lot of it's happening there. But by owning Ether you sort of index that whole exciting world, that full stack that's happening, because Ether is, it's it's the base layer M1, uh, layer one of, of Ethereum. So if you, instead of having to pick all the resources up here on what's happening, do I get this coin or this, whatever, ultimately it's all, it's a rising tide that's gonna pull up Ether. Um, so you, between owning Bitcoin and Ether, you have a ton of your bases covered or at least it's a very good way i I think of even though it's the whole industry is very new these are your blue chip um you know assets and when i'm talking to to folks of like how do i get in well it starts with bitcoin and then it quickly moves to to ether um, and sort of get your those bases covered and you can always go into other coins first but that's kind of to me. Those are kind of like the starting points.
1: Actually, that's a that's a good one to also flip over to you, Elliot, because we get that question all the time
0: uh, from investors. Can you explain
1: the key differences between what Bitcoin is and the opportunity versus versus Ether? I think Tyler's covered it, but you want to give the perspective from uh, from what we're providing to
2: investors as well. Yeah. Um. Maybe just to touch on a few things that Tyler mentioned about adoption, because we've had a lot of conversations with institutions, big institutions who are looking at our products since we brought out our ETFs. Um, And I would say a few things. Uh, First of all, to to echo the same comment, we're not doing a um, Bitcoin 101 conversation with any of these big institutions. They come into the meeting with a huge amount of knowledge and understanding that I don't think they had sort of four years ago. I think it's been um, they've been quietly in the background learning about uh, these assets. Um, Those institutions are kind of saying to us that they think about Bitcoin in their digital gold bucket in their traditional portfolio allocation. So it's pretty easy to slot it in there. They already know about gold. They've been using gold for the past, you know, however many decades, and they can just now allocate Bitcoin into that bucket. But interestingly, they look at Ether and they they understand it from a venture perspective because these large institutions are also used to um, buying private equity uh, funds or individual positions in companies, particularly Silicon Valley companies and those kinds of things. And they look at Ether and they go, "This this fits squarely into that. So even though both of these assets are new assets, the understanding of what they represent is, I think, well developed by institutional investors. What that then does in our conversations is it leads them to the point where they say, okay, fine, so how do I use this in my portfolio? And that's where we've, we've had conversations relating to our ETF because it's really opening access to those investors to enter the space. Because in a lot of cases, these are institutions that have some pretty um, rigid investment policy requirements in terms of the things they can hold. So they can hold stocks and bonds, they can hold ETFs but they haven't updated those policies to reflect direct digital currency holding. Um, So they're not yet at the point where they're, they're, they're calling up Tyler to get an account open at Gemini to directly hold their own crypto. I think those days will come and they're probably already happening and they'll come in much larger numbers, but what they now have is access point vehicles. And so they're looking at ETFs and they're saying, okay, well, how does your ETF work? Is it actually wrapping Bitcoin? Is it actually wrapping ether? Tell us about the actual structure of the ETF How do you do that? Um, And that's where we can get into um, the model that we built, where standing on top of Gemini's ability to meet uh, payments of cash with actual cryptocurrencies, we're able to trade at the um, the price point used by the futures market and have you know extremely good tracking. We can always be 100% deployed. We don't have slippage in our portfolio, and they they understand that structure because they've been using similar structures in their business for regular custodians for equities and so on for a very long time. So once they get comfortable with the structure, they already know how they wanna use um, these assets within their portfolios. And now that really brings a new class of investors to the table that weren't there before, but have obviously been interested in looking at it. Because again, these are conversations we're having where like I've just been blown away by how um, how much knowledge they have. And just one final thought, um, we've talked about Tesla. Tesla has um, been a uh, more important to Bitcoin, in my opinion, than they get credit for. And the reason for that is because Tesla is in broad indices like the S&P 500. When you talk to investors and say, are you thinking about Bitcoin? The answer now is, well, we have to because we own it, because we own the S&P 500, which owns Tesla, which owns Bitcoin. That means that you no longer have investment committees who can sit there and put their blinders on and say I don't want to know about it I just want to ignore it they can't they've got exposure that then leads to well if I'm going to have exposure I better really know what it is and I better make sure I'm allocating to it proactively rather than just passively getting it through other equities that I'm holding so all of this is all about this sort of I mean, it feels like we're in an ecosystem that has just really blossomed and bloomed. It's like springtime out there in terms of the ecosystem around cryptocurrencies, I think, in the past 12 months. Is Tesla the only um, S&P 500 company that holds it? Is that right? as far as i'm aware yes i know you know it's funny watching the news reports yesterday the other fang stocks were reporting or several of them were apple and facebook and so on and so many of the news stories yesterday were speculating whether or not they would disclose they have bitcoin on their balance sheet now as it turns out they didn't they don't yet um but such an interesting narrative in the news cycle right that there's more excitement about whether these massive tech giants are buying Bitcoin, than there is about what else they're doing in their business. That just shows how much people are interested in um, in, in in this in this uh, this change in terms of what people are doing with their treasury cash. Like it, it's a phenomenal thing to see.
1: Yeah, I think that uh, that everyone wants to understand it. Whether they decide to invest in it or not this is a different story. But many of our meetings right now are are coming from people that are not necessarily planning to allocate, but they just want to understand it so that they can talk to their clients about it intelligently, uh, for example. Hey Tyler, let's go back to Gemini for a sec. I mean, you guys have obviously become one of the largest companies uh, in in the world with, uh, with crypto and you're expanding your business. So you've got Gemini Pay uh, and you also have this new relationship with MasterCard. You want to talk about both of them?
0: Yeah, sure. Um, so,
1: um.
0: Gemini started, it was pretty much Bitcoin. Ether was out there, but um, it was still pretty new. Um, so Gemini started as a Bitcoin exchange. And then Ether came along. We were the first uh, U.S.-regulated exchange to list Ether. Then there's DeFi and NFTs. So um, it's obviously becoming a space. But ultimately, our initial goal was help people buy, sell, and store crypto. Um, and we've really increased those those money verbs. Um, we have this new product called Earn, where people can put their crypto into Gemini Earn and earn a a yield um, on it. Um, so instead of just you know hodling your Bitcoin on the exchange, you can actually now uh, earn interest on it, similar to what your bank used to pay a long time ago, maybe on your cash, but no longer does. So. Um, trying to bring back yield with that product. And then we have um, the Gemini credit card, which is coming out where instead of earning back airline miles or points where you don't really know know, what the conversion rate is or whatever, um, you can earn up to 3% back in Bitcoin or any other crypto we support on Gemini and we support about 40 right now. So when you go to Best Buy, when you go to the grocery store, Whenever you use your credit card, you can be stacking uh, satoshis, which is the smallest unit of Bitcoin. You can be stacking Bitcoin. You can be stacking ether. There will be. There's no annual fee on the card. Um, the awards will will accrue real time into your Gemini account. So as you swipe, you're earning Bitcoin back. You can also put that Bitcoin into Gemini Earn and earn some yield on it. So we're really trying to bring. Um, I would say more of, more of the money verbs to, to our platform so that people can not just come over and buy Bitcoin, and go back to um, you know, the traditional financial world or whatnot, but they actually can stay and do more of their, their banking services because um, there's just a bit more opportunity um, in, in crypto. So those are, those are kind of the exciting new, new products we've been working on. As I mentioned, I'm really proud that we're the the full custody provider. Uh, So we have Gemini Fund Solutions for fund managers. And we we have all of the funds that are regulated and traded on the TSX. So we have a very strong institutional business. So fund solutions includes custody. We have a trade execution desk, um, as Elliot mentioned, and also clearing services. Um, So all of these things, and we also have, multiple user accounts. So you can sign up and make sub accounts. Um, So that's really helpful. And each of those accounts have different credentials. So you're not sharing the same 2FA around 20 people in your firm. You build the firm account and then each person has their individual um, account to log in. So a lot of institutional features um, that we've built at to to really service the institutional industry, in addition to the 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 retail or the individual cryptos obviously been um, for so long, a retail phenomenon, because regulators up until about this year, at least in North America, couldn't get comfortable with it. So people didn't want to wait around. And so they they just come to Gemini or other places. Um, but we always knew that they would come when the regulators could get there. And so we wanted to build the institutional enterprise-grade software for everyone. Um, we think we could we can we hit that mark, uh, and so and so those are kind of the big the big focuses of us. Like, and I also mentioned that we're no we're in 50 countries. We're in flight and licensing in a few uh, in in Singapore, um, in Ireland for Europe and stuff. So we're we're really we really view ourselves as a global company. Um, we started in New York. But now we have offices portland oregon chicago new york u k ireland singapore uh san francisco uh l a we're we're really growing um, and as evidenced by the fact that you know we 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 work with you folks in, in in Canada, so we really see ourselves as a as a global uh company It'll be nice when the world reopens a little more you can uh travel more often yeah. um. <laughs> it, that's another amazing things cryptos brought me so many great places i think i went to asia um first time first time since the olympics in 2008 um three times in in two years uh, right before all this yeah. happened it's super exciting it's, it's really fun to travel with business you know and sort of see the world we all miss it
1: um uh elliot actually that you know tyler brought up a good point and i think it's worth you all mentioning some of the feedback that we've been getting on our fund is especially from sophisticated investors they love the fact that our money movement is linear meaning going from the fund to gemini not to any third party broker first and then over to gemini and coming back the same way Do you want to just really quickly uh highlight that process because it is a
2: definite differentiating uh feature for our structure yeah it's a big part of it um the Interesting thing about talking to institutions is it was similar to the conversations we have with the regulators. Everybody wants to make sure that your mousetrap actually works and they want to make sure there's the, the risk is minimized. Right. And so um, there is a sense that because um, cryptocurrencies are traded in all parts of the world on exchanges that oftentimes aren't regulated the way that Gemini is regulated. Right. And there are a lot of times you can go on certain exchanges in certain countries that don't meet. Any kind of particular regulatory threshold. They, one of the one of the questions is: so, are we buying Bitcoin from kind of anywhere? Are we trading around? Are we are we wiring money all over the place and trying to gather up our Bitcoin and so on? <clears throat> and the answer is no. Um, the, the real competitive advantage our structure has is that um, we're able to actually buy and sell Bitcoin or Ether, depending on the product at the reference rate that is um, the most widely recognized rate for pricing Bitcoin in the world, which is the CME, CF benchmarks Bitcoin reference rate. This rate is the most recognized because it's been used as a settlement rate for the futures market for the past four years. So when you talk to the really big market makers, the folks who are trading futures, the folks who are trading spot Bitcoin on various exchanges, maybe they also trade ETFs and other things. Those folks, we can call them up every day and say, hey, folks, we need to buy some Bitcoin and we want to pay today's Bitcoin reference rate. And they're willing to give us that rate um, without question, uh, guaranteed every single day. And. That's important because that's the same price we use to um, value the Bitcoin we hold in our funds. So it's one of the one of the things about running an ETF is you want to make sure that the price you pay inside the ETF for the things you're holding is also the price that's used to come up with the value for the units of your ETF. If those two things are different, then you have internal portfolio slippage and cost that's reflected to the investor through a tracking error. And through, you know, they don't get the performance they're expecting, and their in, inherent costs of knowing the fund go up. But because we can do it that way, we have a structure where we can call up those Bitcoin market makers and say, it doesn't, they don't even, it doesn't even matter how much we're doing because Bitcoin is such a deep and liquid market. We can say, we, we want to buy $100 million worth of Bitcoin from you at today's Bitcoin reference rate. And they say, no problem, we will give you that rate and we'll see you tomorrow at Gemini to settle this trade. So then the second day, when we get cash that comes from the banks that are creating units of our ETF to meet the investors who are buying the units, meet the demand by investors, we get that cash into our ETF and we do one wire only down to Gemini. That's it. Our cash never goes anywhere else. It goes straight from CIBC Bank in Canada where we settle our ETF creation units down to gemini and to the penny we wire down the exact amount to settle the trade that we'd arranged because we have price certainty on our index so um this is really important to the big institutions because they want to make sure that if they have big inflows and outflows can our funds support that or are they going to find that they 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 bring in a big because big institutions do very large trades right they want to be able to make sure that this thing can scale in size You don't wanna be in a product that can't do something effectively like that because then if somebody else comes in in a large size, it's gonna affect your returns because you're gonna be paying those costs as an investor alongside the others that are coming in or going out of the fund. So by using that reference rate, combined with the ability to meet um, those parties at Gemini with payment for the Bitcoin, um, our fund is just a wrapper. If you pay whatever it is today, $28.50 for a a share of the EBIT ETF, you've got $28.50 worth of Bitcoin because the fund holds 100% of its assets in Bitcoin and always will, even if we get a big inflow tomorrow or a big outflow the next day, it really makes no difference. That's important to the big institutions. Um, It was important to the regulators as well. And uh, uh, it's something that, not all the funds have been built that way and there are still some folks out there who are trading around trying to make sure they can hit their price point um uh which is not going to be as efficient and, and so we're having a lot of really great conversations around that with our clients i've never seen anybody so passionate
1: about operations before <laughs> Good for you thank god you're part of the team <laughs> um, uh listen before we close off uh, i'd like to thank Uh, Tyler and and Elliot for being part of this uh, today. This was a great discussion. If anybody wants more information on any of our ETFs, uh, feel free to visit our website at EvolveETFs.com. The ticker for our Bitcoin ETF is EBIT and the ticker for our Ether ETF is Ether ETHR. Before I close off, I have a fun little question to ask both of you. Uh, Dogecoin. Believer, not a believer. I got to say, it, it, it reminds me a little bit of what Bitcoin was like, like six, seven years ago, where there was some people, people don't say that Bitcoin, very few people say that Bitcoin's a joke anymore, right? People are now, there's, there's a lot of believers, but um, five, six years ago, there was a lot of people that thought Bitcoin was a joke. And I'm sure you encountered many of them. Uh, Tyler feels like Dogecoin is kind of um, in a similar camp, although it was created as a joke um, as well. But What do you, what do you, I'll start with you, uh, Elliot, and then I'll let Tyler close it off. What do you
2: think of Dogecoin?
1: Uh,
2: I view Dogecoin in the same category as GameStop and these Reddit stocks, which is to say that um, it's being driven by online memes. Um, I I can't predict whether it's going to be worth more or less in the future, but uh, I don't think it has uh, taken the, uh, narrative of the serious store of value that Bitcoin has developed. And I think that adoption is, is, is just, it's night and day between the two in terms of people who are actually looking for a digital gold. So, um, I think Dogecoin is fun. Um, I love the fact that, uh, you know, Elon Musk can tweet a picture of a dog on a rocket and then the price of this thing changes. I, I think it's great thing to fun thing to watch. Um, but i don't think it's has any i don't think it's it's as relevant to bitcoin as gamestop is to the s&p 500 that's that's my perspective on it
0: tyler yeah um <laughs> i'm a big fan of doge um <laughs> i would i would say like i like i said earlier um it's not where i'd start um i'd start with bitcoin understand bitcoin it's a li- little easier to grok um the gold 2.0 story really get comfortable with that and then i move to Ether, Ethereum, understand the decentralized operating system of the world, um, and then once you kind of get those bases covered, and I would start with those as investments. That's not investment advice, but that's my personal view of what I would do. Um, then I think I think you're you're bitten by the bug of crypto. You have to keep exploring, um, and I think Doge is a really interesting philosophical question it's the people's money it's irreverent it's almost as much of a protest um to sort of being stopped out and game stop as it is um money but ultimately i i kind of like the organic nature of it you know the emergent money uh, aspect versus fiat which <laughs> down your throat if you don't use this like we'll knock on your door with tanks you know kind of thing so there's a really interesting like it's sort of the austrian school of, of of economics um you know money's organic it's it's what we as a society or people say it is and if we say it's doge then you know by gosh it is doge um and so and i like elon musk um quote like uh fate loves irony you know um bitcoin was a joke and now it is uh and he may have borrowed he may have borrowed that from mythology i think um <laughs> ultimately you know bitcoin was a joke and now it's really serious business um and so it kind of goes back to the gandhi quote of first they ignore you then they laugh at you then they fight you and then they buy doge coin <laughs> 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 but i think it starts with then they buy bitcoin ether yeah. and then Doge. show i i love it you know i love i love the aspect of obviously don't risk your everything into doge but um gosh, we're having some really great conversations about something that's really important, which is money. And everybody's talking about it. And and I think just the educational aspect and the financial literacy and forcing people to ask that question and wrestle with that, I think um, I think that's only a good thing. Great.
1: With that, I think we're gonna wrap up. Tyler, thank you very much for your time today. Thanks for being such a great partner. I got to say, working with uh, with Gemini has been truly a pleasure. Obviously, Elliot has worked closer building out the operational platform, but Dave uh, Dave and Brian have been uh, phenomenal uh, to work with and your entire team. So congrats on all your success and continued success, and uh, hopefully we get to do this again sometime.
0: Yeah, no, thank you, Raj and Elliot, for the conversation. We love working with you guys and hope to continue to we're close together and continue to explore this amazing frontier of crypto. Great, stay safe everyone, thank you. Thanks everyone. Thank you. You have been listening to the Innovators Behind Disruption, a podcast series brought to you by Evolve ETFs. Remain educated, be informed, sign up for our newsletter and learn more at evolveetfs.com.